0: Hey team, welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is OK podcast. This is a podcast where we talk to cool people doing cool things. These people are helping to inspire us to get out of our comfort zones through their stories and their ideas. They let us know that it's okay to be uncomfortable and actually we get so much from these times when we get uncomfortable. I'm your host Chris Desmond. Today's episode 12 I'm having a chat with Sarah Lancaster from So Love. Sarah and I actually lived next door to each other when we were growing up. We were talking, and I think we probably haven't seen each other for about 15 or so years, so it was great to reconnect through the podcast. Sarah is a passionate person doing inspiring things, but like all of us, gets uncomfortable and goes through challenges. So Love is a social in- enterprise providing pop-up fun spaces and resources for people to be creative, learn new skills and get to know their neighbours. They focus on reducing landfill, strengthening communities in a fun, positive way. Sarah rode her bike out to our place for the uh, conversation, which was fine until she had to ride up the Nio Gorge. And I wouldn't let her use that as the answer to the question, what was the last thing that you did that was uncomfortable? We did have a pretty awesome conversation though. So today we talk about courage, about stepping out and going for it in life and in business, and the uncomfortable feelings associated with that. We also talk through how you focus on different things at different phases of your life, that figuring out if your concept is feasible never really ends, and how important it is to continuously learn and not to stop just because it gets hard. As always, thanks to everyone who's supported me with the podcast. It's been a fun journey so far, and we've got a few cool interviews lined up for you in the coming weeks. So, if you like this episode with me and Sarah, make sure to leave a comment and share it out, because it goes a long way to helping let more people know That uncomfortable is okay. Sarah welcome to the uncomfortable is okay podcast thanks for sitting down on the couch with me today it's cool to have you here
1: thank you thanks for having a comfortable couch.
0: you but what's your favorite book
1: Mm, good question I don't read much at all
0: (laughs) okay what's the oh I do
1: have one though do marching powder
0: oh yeah yeah I Um, like that one too
1: which is probably is not really an inspiring book other than like an adventure story and As someone had been to South America, it brought up so many memories. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you read that after you'd been to Mm. South America?
1: Because in La Paz, I met so many people that were talking about San Pedro prison. Yeah. And I was like, oh.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Because we we read that before we went there, actually. So we went and had a look at this, went to try and have a look at the prison specifically. Um. But so many guards outside there, and as as soon as you kind of go to pull out a camera, they just give you the evil stare. Yeah,
1: eh? They move you on.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But I am trying to start the power of now. Okay. <laughs> which but, is an amazing book. Yeah. Is it love love.
0: Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, yeah. 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 I haven't read that one, but I've heard good things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've got to try and read more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gives, I think it gives you. Uh, gives you a little bit more, or makes you think a little bit more than, say, watching TV. Yeah. Seeing what the Kardashians are up to.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And often if you, I found that if I'm reading, if I've got time to read, then it should, it was either blogs or um, reading business books or some sort of um, motivational kind of practical sewing book. Like a textbook at uni. If you, I never read for pleasure because I should be reading, doing my readings of Shakespeare for,
0: yeah.
1: um, for school. Um, so perhaps as you move into different phases of your life, you can give yourself time to read for pleasure.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sorry, a, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point because yeah, when I was younger, I always kind of read, read for pleasure, um, and then yeah, going through kind of later stages of high school and university it is more about, hey, I need to do these readings um, because I'm reading so much for university, then actually the, the pleasurable side of reading kind of drops away. Mm. But i am been trying to get back into that a little bit more, actually. And I think I, I enjoy it. But I'm still reading for le- learning, um, kind mm. of that, that enforced reading that you need to do to kind of be able to do these practical things but yeah doing some reading for pleasure is, is pretty cool as well mm. awesome so that was that's a good yeah. answer and di- <laughs> gave us a little bit of discussion to start with <laughs> um but Sarah can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background
1: uh Thames was home the armpit of the Coromandel <laughs> and I left there and went to Auckland Uni I well, yeah, that's that's totally bypassing Thames, isn't it? I I guess I've got to honour a lot of that Thames time because that's we spend a lot of time sailing in the weekends and I know that who I am now and my strong beliefs of like loving the environment is thanks to living with a big garden and lots of greenery around and being out in the sea in the bush and tramping and mum and dad always taking us. You know they're having the privilege to be able to be out on the water and going bush um, because you know, I guess some parents would have been working in the weekends and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm grateful to have uh, had a quite a upbringing of being outdoorsy um, and then moved to the city for uni and <laughs> um, I'll admit, like, discovered bk like 24 hour food in the city <laughs> and um that was like a whole other um awakening of having self-responsibility and um managing your money and your time and uni and turning 18 and
0: doing your own laundry
1: yeah doing your own laundry <laughs> having a tiny room dancing non-stop lots of dancing Oh, that's right. When I got my first degree, I wanted to start a new one. Straight away, I went to do dance. So I did my theatre degree. And people always ask me now, like, what did did you study? I'm like, well, actually, I was always wanting to be a drama teacher, always since I was about 15, destined to be a drama teacher. Um, And I'm still a teacher, I just teach sewing dramatically. (laughs) (laughs) You just get some theatrics of your sewing class.
0: (laughs) from university so you did a theatre degree Mm. and then you started the dance degree Mm. straight away
1: yeah and I actually quit that and I still remember that as being like one of the only things I mean there's things that you quit but that was a really big decision to quit and I thought god it's so hard for you to quit Sarah you're so not a quitter you just keep working around challenges and to achieve things and I decided that doing ballet at 21 for the first time feeling like an elephant with all these tiny 17 year old pros around me wasn't for me it was too heartbreaking every day and so i i decided to quit after a semester and it's great because i can still do a backwards roll on the ground without making a sound (laughs) contemporary dance um and um i mean you totally need that sometimes in life
0: (laughs) you do yeah yeah. yeah. get out of (laughs) awkward situations with that yeah real stealthily
1: yeah and gracefully yeah and then I went and got a a job uh working in admin and um saved went to South America came back another admin job and and I guess at that point I was like I need it I need something more um and discovered social enterprise from reading reading Yep, good magazines. Good. Peppermint magazine, actually. Okay, so perhaps I don't read books, but I really love environmental, kind of crafty magazines. And Peppermint magazine was like my Bible, I would read it every day. These inspiring stories of people just giving something a go, having an idea of something that is good for the planet or good for other human beings. And I was like, wow, nobody taught us about social enterprise at school, that was not a thing and so I was like you could just have an idea and you could just give it a go and try and make it work I'm like wow I want to do that (laughs) was that
0: kind of a revelation all of a sudden or was Mm. that something that just kind of crept up on you over a period of time
1: it must have been I'm not really one to like jump in there would have been like calculated things like okay well if I wanted you know that sounds quite nice but what exactly would you do though Sarah you know what are you passionate about because all these articles were like I was really passionate about this or that, so for me it was environment and I guess my skill and my the doing what you love. that was you know I love sewing and making and creating and always crafted throughout childhood and early early adulthood. So like how do you make that a job? Um and in in research you know you research is there anything else out there like that and finding around the world are the sewing cafes and sewing lounges and checking out business models in London and the states where it's quite successful and thinking, you know, how could I do that? Um, And then, you know, your next step is oh, well, there's this free business course with Te Wainanga doing night classes so I'll go along to that for a year while still working full-time every Thursday night I went there and wrote a business plan and that's so key to actually nutting out from... A passionate idea into making it work and trying to figure it out. Not even making it work, is your idea and concept feasible? And I'm still doing that, right? That never ends. Yeah,
0: I don't think that stops whatever you're doing. There's always going to be kind of new challenges for you along the way with that as well and things that pop up. You're constantly kind of changing direction, even if it's just slightly, but it sounds like you had a, a reasonably big change from um, an admin role into kind of going down the social enterprise route yeah because how long did it take you to transition from a from an admin role to kind of figuring out exactly what it was that you were passionate about and then kind of figuring out hey this is potentially how I go about doing it
1: yeah I guess it was throughout that year when I was working full time, and the night course was really great because it asks all those questions, and all one of the things was you know my weak one of the in my SWOT analysis, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um one of the weaknesses was that I didn't have my confidence in sewing. The actual sewing was good for me, but not necessary for others, and I didn't want to sell things yet, or t- I didn't feel I was good enough to teach other people yet. So I wanted to go back to tech to get my skills better. So um, or to a level in which I could feel confident, and so at the end of that year I decided, oh I found a short course. I didn't want to go spend another three years at uni, understanding my creativity, doing fashion design degree. It wasn't for me. I just wanted practical sewing skills, and I was really grateful that um, New Zealand Fashion in- oh, New Zealand Institute of Fashion Technology. Yeah. think that's what it's called six month courses six month in pattern making six month in garment construction so i could do that for a year and then on the other side of that that was a moment of okay now what are you gonna do you can't go back to work because you'll just keep dreaming you know so you had you had to make it work yeah um and the smart way is to reduce overheads and I moved back to Thames <laughs> briefly. I moved back to Thames, which apparently a lot of people are doing now well, okay there's people yeah. moving to Thames to commute to Auckland, and I did that for uh, I think about six months, so I was living in Thames, working part-time at a gallery Monday and Tuesdays, which was so great because I could be in Auckland for the weekends and still have some social life with my friends and um, workshops and markets are always in the weekends so. I was kind of testing out the waters in different suburbs around Auckland to figure out which place would be the best place to lease so it was a research project essentially of being like okay, who's responding best to what I'm offering and learning um, what products to sell at markets or who's willing to have a go on a machine and at the K Road first Thursday's markets that was a really good response so that's when I thought, oh yeah so it's always kind of researching and yeah. listening to the environment around you, rather than just going in with your gung ho. You know, my this is my idea. Yeah, being fluid, like we we're saying. So
0: it's kind of been like a gradual process, experiment, yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that, where did it, where did all this uh, where did it all end up? Where did you uh, all this social experiment? take you
1: yeah well i guess i um and a new research project so i i signed a lease in um st cuban's arcade that was short-term lease so i could sign up for three months as a trial having a sewing lounge which is what i'd always wanted and um i did a i had done a business or creative entrepreneurship acceleration program with art called art venture which is funded by the arts regional trust in auckland and there's an amazing group um, 12 creatives uh, now this year they've got 16 um, and uh, lots of mentoring for a year so um, I think that was, that was while I was in Thames and um, after studies so I applied, got into that and they helped me realise this dream that was like a long term dream, I thought having my own sewing lounge store would be 5 years, 3 years and within the year I could open it by having the support of mentors around me business investors I guess um, lots of different um, support also having 12 other creative entrepreneurs around you who are going through, we're all different levels but going through the same thing because often it can be lonely and when you're working really hard friends are supportive but some don't get it and some might get upset that you keep missing social engagements but and hold it against you <laughs> instead of understanding she's got to save her pennies or um, she does markets every Sunday really early because that's the only way she can get income at the moment you know so it's kind of it gave me this great support network um and, and I love my parents, but sometimes they didn't understand. Um, giving something a go you know it wasn't a solid secure job with everything set up and stable for the rest of your life and they're still Mm. coming to terms with that so they're not the first people I will go to to ask for advice for my business Um, I'm totally
0: (laughs) and I think that's uh, part of that is probably a bit of a generation gap as well Mm. in our parents age group who uh, they probably won't enjoy us for enjoy me saying this but probably around about 60 um (laughs) that it was a bit different in that they would get one job and they'd be in it for the long term yeah and I remember I was having a conversation with my dad who who went to a wedding not that long ago and he said he sat down and he talked to talked to all the guys that were my age and younger there um and then he was having a conversation with uh, with one of the uh, the other fathers there, and he said, "All these kids they they were doing jobs that weren't even invented ten years ago, yeah. which is pretty cool." Yeah. So I think it's it's a little bit of a struggle sometimes for people from their age bracket to kind of really change that way of thinking that has been ingrained in them for like the last 40 years is that you get this job you're uh you're with this company for for so long Mm. um that it is that it is hard to change
1: and you work hard every day and you work through the pain um the pain the pain and suffering you know they worked hard yeah and stuck with it and we kind of can jump and change around and be like, I'm a sport of this job, I'm going to go find mm. something else and you do. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, they have a they had a lot of stickability. Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Though we have a lot of different opportunities as the world is getting more and more connected and new roles are coming out. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, like now, I've, I've thought about this a little bit and that you, if you're in one role for an extended period of time you kind of almost run out of growth opportunities for yourself that you get to a point where either there are no more growth opportunities for you or you just your focus becomes so narrow on this is the way that I've always done it that sometimes you miss other things Mm. that that's out there and maybe your performance decreases from that so I think having a having regular change it's probably it's definitely good for you to mm. be growing um, mm. and exploring and although saying that in it when you're in that uh, in that one role that's that is when you you get quite comfortable and you kind mm. of can operate on autopilot and mm. changing into these into these new roles can be quite challenging um, and really push you a little bit with that it's
1: uh, kind of about um, kind of sometimes about whether you're content and sometimes i wish Mm. i could be more content for things because i'm like come on let's do this different thing let's every night let's go and do something else let's go to this talk let's go to this workshop let's go to this new dance thing and some people and i'm like don't just go home every night and be on the couch or go to the gym and then go home like this but they're content with that and they're happy and that is great, and I'm like, man, if only I could be content with some things of life, but <laughs> always yeah. wanting something more and different and a challenge and to grow and um and you know personal development, and that's just who you know we are or s- some people are, and some people are just content with with that ho hum kind of routine. I say ho hum, that sounds terrible. The routine and like diff as a different life, and if they're content with that, then. That, then lucky them, great.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the world needs heaps of di- different people that are into different things mm. as well. Otherwise, it'd be really, really boring and yeah, uh, grey. Not that there's anything wrong with the colour grey, <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd just be the
1: same. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the point. I'm taking it back quite a bit now. I, <laughs> I like the point that you made about your support network as well um and having that support network there that you that were of like-minded in- individuals that were going through the same thing
1: yeah in the art venture, in the art the
0: venture. venture yeah mm. yeah and having having that and being able to bounce ideas off those kind of uh off those kind of people when other people sometimes in your in your inner circle that you'd you'd usually spend your most time the most time with didn't really understand because that wasn't something that they'd had to go through, yeah, or that they were interested in going through,
1: yeah. And we, the Art venture crew, is all very, all different levels and different industries. So I felt I often felt like I was a bit of the baby of the group, and I wondered like what I had to offer <laughs> offer wisdom to them because they gave me a lot of help and support and the sense of like, oh, I need, and still now, you know, my friend Gina, I'm like, I need to write this pitch to this company to ask for sponsorship and she's like, I and I knew she did marketing, does this all the time so she reviewed it for me and said oh yep do this, that and the other so it's kind of we're just like a family I guess and we still um, I will still call on all of them at any point and we will catch up when we can um, and you've, you know that year was hard everyone dug deep and everyone cried at some point and there's a lot of singing and um, <laughs> as well as a lot of um, you know brainstorming and um, we met for workshops every Saturday fortnightly and monthly thanks to that I was able to fast track opening the store and it was a research project for three months which extended to having a store for 18
0: months cool <laughs> yeah should we have a little bit of a chat about your store now so what yeah. um, do you want to tell us about it
1: yeah I've probably I never really called it a store before I don't know why I'm doing it now but um, perhaps because it was like bricks and mortar and for people to visualise it yeah. but it was a sewing lounge which I set up like an internet cafe but with sewing machines essentially okay. so people could drop in and use the I wanted a place where people could come in with shared resources so they could mend their own gear learn to sew uh, in a workshop or um, stop in and do their own sewing They just you know, there was a lot of apartments in the area near Cairo mm-hmm. students, travellers sometimes you don't have your full kit of sewing gear with you when you're living in a smaller space or when I was in uni halls I didn't I made a ball dress out of safety pins sewing fabric together Um, so having resources and a skilled person there to give you a bit of help and you just paid per half hour but I also ran workshops there and sold clothes that I had made and others, a couple of other locals had made and I did alterations there as well, which I hated. <laughs> but um,
0: They paid the bills. They did
1: pay pay, yeah, some of the bills. And it was a great vibe in St Kevin's Arcade. It was awesome. The Alleluia Cafe on the doorstep was magic and all of the vintage stores all around. Mm. Um, I really loved it. Yeah.
0: Wicked. Mm. And is that the first uh store slash area of this kind of concept in New Zealand that you know of? Yeah. Yeah but there, they have them overseas
1: Yeah. Well, there was a place in Christchurch and I did visit there um, and it was funny I visited a couple in, in Melbourne as well and what I noticed for me was that I was like cool it's crafty but everything here is wrapped in plastic and it's all brand new cotton quilting fabrics in perfect rows and I realised every time I visited these places how much of doing this was actually an environmental cause for me and not about a pretty perfect craft store because you can go into mega craft stores and everything is there but it's all wrapped in plastic and it smells like plastic and everything's made in China or Bangladesh and and it's frightening so I wanted to set up a sustainable resource centre for craft not just um, not, I shouldn't say just but not a just a, a craft sewing place so yeah, and it was the first one I'd seen or come across um, in New Zealand. Um, that was that had its own challenges because there was no kind of local thing to benchmark off or um, edu- educating the public on how to use my shop. So I've been like, what has it been? A couple of years now. I swear, I'm still trying to work out how to write good signage. Signage is so key uh, on um my friend said, am i allowed to swear yeah go for <laughs> my it. friend said john he was just like you need a massive sign that just says come in and fucking sew <laughs> like, that was just what you needed to write across the front like people should be in here like people should be doing it you this need like it needs to be functioning like this is so great um we need to get you know people not just walking past and thinking oh is that her workshop space am i allowed in there Uh, and it was crazy when I had workshops in there on Sundays and Saturday sessions other than the evenings because the rest of the arcade was shut on the weekend sessions as soon as I had a class in there everyone in the cafe outside was watching and taking pictures and talking and they were just like whoa what is this place like they got it and it was so exciting to see now I'm getting all excited with the memories (laughs) so exciting to see it working and I've, yeah, so yeah, it was a good learning experience of educating people I guess on the possibilities. Cuz when you're doing a business like what is the problem that you're trying to solve? And for me I was like I don't know if people know they have this problem yet that throwing yeah. away their clothes that or um continually consuming first hand things, you know. I don't know if people know of that as a problem that I'm that's what I'm trying to solve. <laughs> mm.
0: You get to the point where, like, that's obviously something that we've in- evolved to in the consumer culture with that kind of population consciousness. That hey, this is how we do it. We go out, we buy new stuff. We, um, we take it out of its plastic wrapping, and then once we're done with it, we get rid of it. Yeah. But that's never how it used to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It just uh, sometimes, it, I think it takes kind of people like yourself coming in with these different ideas um, that actually probably, I don't know, in, in history are there, this is kind of how they do it.
1: Well, I wonder. There was definitely a lot of men and make do, you know, and yeah. it was at home. Um, and I'm conscious of trying to put a mod- modern twist. I don't want you really say that, but like a, my take on it of making sewing social... Um, so people can do it together learn from each other and we've always known as sewing is like at home in the spare room at the back of the house on a sunday only when it's raining you know that's your sun that's your sewing time and i wanted it to be fun and social when we have wine in the shop and not all the time but you know friday (laughs) night socials with wine and and people sewing together and sharing uh, sharing their kind of common interest and ideas and having fun with it um swapping fabrics and yeah
0: and stories i bet as well mm, yeah yeah
1: <laughs> yeah
0: cool uh it's a it's an awesome idea and uh it's a pity that i didn't get to i haven't seen your seen your place because yeah. you were there for 18 months yeah about where? 18 yeah. months yeah and then kind of what uh
1: um well i was there? <laughs> the arcade got sold to these young developers um, and so they wanted to come in and uh, rejudge it all up, and it looks yeah. lovely now. I've heard um, that it's a heritage building, so they had to respect a lot of the w- the work already there. But they have retailed it. But I, you know, I heard there was a lot of chat going around. Like, was my store, for example, was going to be a cheese shop, and then it was going to be a wine shop. But I, the general consensus was my whole the end down where I was with alleluia around the food the kind of general courtyard area was all going to be hospitality so they wanted to move me to move to the front um and pay a lot more rent and that just kind of was a moment to question everything and weigh up everything and they didn't necessarily kick me out it just gave me an opportunity to reevaluate the time I'd been there uh you know being there every single day it was almost summer and summer was the quiet a time of year for me, so I was thinking, you know, is this where you want to stay? Did you want to get a bigger space? Did you want to collaborate with some other brands and get a shared space? Um, you know, all of those questions and reevaluating everything, and so I um, took the opportunity to take the leave, <laughs> I guess, and did. Um, obviously, I didn't want to end so love there, um, and I had thought. I wanted to do something different for summer, so I did my Pledge Me campaign to buy a camper van.
0: <laughs> yeah, and obviously the Pledge Me campaign uh, worked reasonably well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, it was great. We did that in October last year, um, and it was a month-long campaign, like a full-time job running those things, but it was great. I just kept being true and honest about everything. I, I mean, what I do it is very much just me doing it but I do it for the community, like I want this to continue for the sake of um, different communities around New Zealand and our environment, it's not necessarily about me at all um, it's just I guess I'm the functioning wheel (laughs) and the driver um, so yeah, October we fundraise about 21 grand um, and clo- on the last day of Pledge Me was the last day of the shop, so I was packing up and moving out of there. And um, soon after, just before Christmas, I think I bought the truck. It was a bit of a process buying, trying to find th- something that was a fair price and not full of rust.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and at the beginning of the summer season as well, there weren't mm. many available. Um, but I found Cecil in Otrehunga.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> and have since been living in driving around in it it's been fun
0: Mm. so why did you besides from living and driving around in it why did you decide to buy a camper van what was the purpose of it
1: i had seen in the states um through instagram and uh, blogs and things fashion trucks so these girls were converting old ice cream trucks um with the cool noses and things like that into. Vintage boutiques, and they pulled up at markets and did pop ups, and they were traveling around buying stuff and then selling at markets, and it looked really great. And I was like, "Wow, this is cool!" You know, there's a huge food truck phenomenon. What about something else in a truck? And um, I could totally see how this would work. And I knew everyone wanted to be at the beach this summer. I want to be at the beach this summer. Um, why don't we just take sewing to the beach? You know, I can take my job on the road with me and and you know in that re-evaluation process I was often thinking cool you're teaching people to sew on K Road and around Auckland but I wanted to get more traction like it was fun and it was lovely and we um, it was great but I wanted to take so love bigger and more um, national in the sense of our philosophies and um, tips or whatever and I had always thought about making some video tutorials and things so I thought hey if I go on the road I could film it as well And so there's all these different um, avenues to taking So Love to the next level by taking it on the road um, and thanks to the 204 people who believed in it and pledged and uh, I'm still working on their rewards <laughs> when I can um, awesome. yeah yeah Pledge me was great and it's been i mean that was five six months ago now being on the road for four months today is like day two of feeling normal um cool. in a city again yeah. for
0: so you've you've <laughs> hit wellington and in, in its home for the next little while
1: yeah yeah because the shop i noted was a lot busier in wintertime as sewing classes i wanted the plan was to tour for summer and then Set up somewhere for winter again. So it is just trying to work that out. And what I've noticed from traveling is every town has a whole different set of cultural values and community systems um, that I have to kind of instantly learn and respect without just charging in with my thing and then trying to do it and then leaving. So the same with Wellington, it's gonna, I've always wanted to live here and I love it, but it's gonna be a little bit of a process working out. Do you lease a place, or do you do community workshops and community centres, or how it's going to work here? It's just continuously learning.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's always yeah. It's like that that experiment that we were talking about before, and sometimes mm. you've got to dip your toes into to try it and figure out what's going to work best in, yeah. in different areas.
1: And I wonder if it's when you you do that because it's it's risk. You know, you're minimizing risk. If perhaps you had thousands of dollars backing, you just give something a go, mm. and you and if you can invest heaps of money into marketing and getting it out there, then maybe it'll just work wherever you are, because people will come to you. But I think it's smarter to, for where I'm at, or if anyone wanted to give something a go, <laughs> um, to kind of do it as less risky as possible and try.
0: Yeah, and I think you probably learn a little. Well, you obviously learn differently, but you might learn more doing it that way as well. And it's that you try a few different options before you find something that mm. you're passionate about, rather than just kind of approaching one whole hog from the from the start.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you have any funny stories from the road?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a fun adventure. Funny
0: stories. I've put you on the spot here a I little know. bit, I'm sorry.
1: We were talking about comedy 1st <laughs> right? <write and> <laughs> no, funny. St- it's been um, interesting in that because Cecil the truck is quite painted up with lots of branding and some pledge me hashtags on the sides, um, I'm, I- I've noticed that it's really hard to hide. Not that I hide it's conspicuous. Yeah, and conspicuous.
0: to be inconspicuous. Yeah.
1: And um, so there's often moments where I just want to be Sarah um, catching up with a friend by a beach or waking up in the morning and, or trying to sleep in in the morning without people knocking or um, coming up for a chat. I love people coming up for chats, don't get me wrong. It is just, it's interesting. It's not even a funny story, is it's funny it's peculiar a, yeah yeah no, funny funny funny, funny
0: weird you, is okay you didn't you didn't
1: specify <laughs> no i didn't
0: um, <laughs> should have had better signage i
1: know <laughs> so i've been um quite funny living in my shop that's probably what it is and there's moments when you're living in there and like um knowing that i have to close the curtains when i want to get changed out of my wetsuit <laughs> or something after a surf and things like that um and because you I'm like this is my home and then there might be other people in vans doing that but I'm like this is also the shop with lots of signage <laughs> <laughs> and people are often walking past taking photographs or I've really enjoyed sitting inside and seeing people reading the side of the truck so there's it doesn't say hi we're a mobile sewing school it just says things like solar sewing make more buy less um, simply better packaging <laughs> packaging um, leave no trace so all of these kind of concepts of what's the heart of it and so people will stand there and read it and stare and it's just so great just seeing them thinking and, and not necessarily like young crafty girls who is usually who I'm interacting with yeah and I've been visiting lots of up shops on my trip so filming and interviewing um, lovely up shop ladies cool. and so that's been really fun Hearing their stories, um, and then I will start dressing up in op shop stuff and dancing. I'm making these little dance videos in op shops, and the ladies love it like, You're
0: having a blast!
1: They're like, put this on, put that on, and they just come out, Maureen, grab the hat and they just like, come and like pull all these things on there. And it's been really fun seeing them kind of warm up
0: to it yeah yeah so is this going to turn into like an op shop ladies of new zealand documentary or
1: yeah i hope so <laughs> lots of um lots of great stories and like why people are volunteering in op shops and it's so inspiring and i i hope that a few you know more people could just give up a couple of hours a week to go and sort through some stuff or lift some things it's so many Ladies, I mean, girls can do whatever, you know, girl bosses. But there's a lot of stuff that is heavy. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been helping out a couple of times. It's like, how would you put these 17 bags of sorted clothing that we'd sorted into this car and then into the shed at the other end if I wasn't here today? You know, there was six old ladies in their 60s and 70s. And these bags were heavy, like big rubbish stacks of clothes. They work hard.
0: Mm. Mm. But
1: it's been a really good insight. Um,
0: A really good way to connect with people as well, too, by the sounds of it. Yeah. Which sometimes I think we we lack a little bit. um, Is that actually just sitting down and having a chat with someone that you don't really know.
1: Mm.
0: And finding out some cool stuff. Yeah. Much like what we're doing today. Yeah.
1: It's actually funny. It's interesting how people... um, because I'm doing that and I'm wanting to record it for a video, um, how to respect and honour these people um, without being like, This is television gold you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Oh, can I can I video like they're like, come have a tea, come have a ninish tart. I made them last night. I'm like, holy shit like this is perfect little brick op shop in Masterton with these lovely ladies and it was just, just so quintessential like what I had totally hoped for and they didn't want to be filmed and I was like, this is... but I wanted to, you know, I don't want to interrupt them
0: Yeah.
1: and similarly I was in, out of Coral Glen and I was like I'm going to stop in the Coral Glen Tavern because I'm chatting to op shop lovers all the way around I want to hear what guys in the Coral Tavern think about shopping at the op shop. They did not want to have a bar <laughs> of me and didn't really like, oh, you know, oh, my wife buys my stuff, I don't go shopping, you know, oh, you know, there was this, so I left, and this guy was sitting on the doorstep with, like, a big quartz bottle, just messy hair, gumboots, reading the paper, and I was like, hey, would you like to have a chat? You know, I'm not going to film you, but maybe if I just point my camera this way, I'll just be recording our conversation verbally and about op shops, and he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, real blunt and abrupt and he just didn't really answer my question of have you ever found something cool in an op shop and he was like oh yeah maybe like a mm, jacket and then I was like oh, I'm not getting anywhere with this so I was like okay well thank you and then I stood up to go, turned off my camera and he was like you know it's just such a great resource, there's so much wrong with the world with environmentalism and he like, rattled off all the stuff about sustainability of op shops once I turned the camera off
0: yeah, and I think I, I found that a bit as well. With putting you put a microphone somewhere, and then people get nervous. Mm. And I, even even with myself, the first couple of podcasts that I recorded, I was pretty nervous. Yeah, and I think it's just having having that thing there that you're not used to makes you really really uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and I think I've got better at it. Um, hopefully, I sound a little bit more natural than I did a couple of <laughs> weeks ago. Um. But it is, yeah. I think that pushes people's comfort zones a little bit as well, mm. just because, oh, it's those guys on the TV or on the radio. Mm.
1: And maybe it's a trust thing as well. Yeah, you have to build the trust that, like, I trust you're not going to portray me in a poor light, and so I can trust that the we'll
0: see you in something. a couple yeah. of weeks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's too late to back out. Now. I know it is. We're so deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Excellent. Um, should we change tack a little bit? So you've got to Wellington um, in the So Love truck after an awesome trip around uh, around the North Island. And you were talking before about taking things to the next level mm. with So Love. Have you figured out what that next level is that you want to get to yet? Or have you figured out a couple of things that you want to test out to, to do?
1: Yeah, I guess... Um in my own time I will be working on editing and making my, the web series and um, potentially some printed stuff of the photos I've been taking so maybe some journals and things um, not maybe definitely <laughs> yeah. I'm working on that but I think um, uh, it's kind of like a reset time right now mm-hmm. so although I'd love to say we're going to open up a bigger solo in Wellington and I'm kind of re-assessing um personally where life is at and whether you know how long you can continue doing this of trying to make ends meet in the um, social enterprise and um, I know that before I do the South Island I want to try and get some more backing behind me and some more partners on board that want to join the tour uh, to make it more feasible and survive because when it comes to... um sustainability and a sense of sustainability of so love um if i can't do it if i can't make it work i can't help anyone else you know if i can't
0: you gotta put, help yourself first yeah yeah see i couldn't even like, say that it's to like <laughs> it's like on the airplane myself. you've got to put on the uh the, your own oxygen mask before you help anyone else with theirs yeah
1: and i think if i like um being smarter about um booking more workshops or um getting some more income um to make it work yeah. so so i can continue it mm. um otherwise i yeah i'm lucky with the timing i made it to wellington but with very little in the bank and very little in the diesel tank <laughs> yeah so we rolled in on thin yeah, air
0: <laughs> just coasted down the gorge. <laughs> I have put you in <laughs> neutral. Here
1: we go. Here we go. You
0: got to put it back in gear before you hit that corner at the bottom, I though. Know, yeah. And going past the speed camera too. Yeah. Otherwise, you just burn out the brakes.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the reality of it. Is um, trying to do the numbers and work mm-hmm. out what works, and I really love doing that. I love being a business person, um, but if, in order to make help So Love grow, I need to be smarter about it um for the next trip um and so we'll see what happens for that in wellington
0: cool mm. that sounds good
1: successfully avoided the
0: question you on. did you did well actually <laughs> i won't push you further we'll change tack a little bit so sarah i'm gonna ask you some questions that we that i ask everyone on the podcast mm. can you tell me about a time that you've failed and what you learned from it
1: interestingly enough it's quite I Guess this is pretty raw and like recent, and thinking yeah. that I had failed a lot with this trip with things with times. There's a lot of moments where I'm like, just quit, this isn't working, and you're failing all the people that invested in you. When I didn't have sewers, nobody's sewing, like, no, like only a couple of people sewing, or um, when I couldn't buy anything to eat, um, and Kind of knowing when to quit, <laughs> um, and when. Yeah, personally, I didn't feel strong enough to get going and just want to yeah get going onto the next thing or ringing the next person. Not that I didn't want to. I just my confidence was so blown and I was really 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 low, and that um. That was kind of. I'm just trying to think how I came out of that. I yeah definitely talking to my friends phoning friends and telling them where they're at um where sorry telling them where I'm at and um having their advice or conversations with people that believe in you and not just like you can do it like practical kind of tips of be like hey or hey look what you have done um and remembering that because nowhere from when I closed the shop. Till now, have I stopped to celebrate any achievements at all? And I don't know whether that's because I'm afraid to be appear arrogant in the sense of like I've achieved this, you know. But actually, being like, hey, we we did the pledge meet. No, as soon as I got the pledge meet, I was like, I've still got to move out of my flat. Shit, like okay, we've got to book a trailer, and then I bought a truck. Oh God, I've got to get the paint done, and oh, the paint's been done. Oh, I'm not sure if I like it, and. Um, I haven't booked that first market, and I haven't. You know, there's been always yeah. a worry of, um, and sort of continually being, um, we can easily notice all the things we haven't done,
0: mm.
1: and not. So I guess, yeah,
0: yeah. Sometimes I think you need to schedule a little bit of time to stop and celebrate with what you have achieved. Yeah. Um, and I, th- kind of a a concept that I think about is like, it's like you're climbing a mountain, that. If you're only part way up, you look up and you think, shit, I've still got ages to go. It's, it's hard work. And uh, like what you were saying with your confidence, it can fluctuate. Sometimes you're really confident, sometimes you're not. And it just kind of depends on the day. And also depends on kind of if you've had any negative feedback or negative ideas going through your head. But you've still got all this way to go up the mountain. But sometimes the best thing that you can do is actually just stop, turn around, and look how far you've come. And that can often give you that confidence to just kind of keep on going if you kind of stop and just kind of count your wins and say, yeah, I've done this. I've run a successful Pledge Me campaign. I've bought a camper van. I've had it painted. I've got this... um, (laughs) old rough guy from the Corriglan ta- Tavern talking about op shops.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we're nailing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually a pretty good result. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And thinking about the things that back at the start, I was thinking like, you, were, you had a blog and you really wanted to do this thing, and now you know, you have friends and you have great friends that you've met through the shop and through your pop-ups and things, mm-hmm. and so many great experiences and seeing them sewing, seeing them sewing I saw on Instagram the other day my friend Jo that I talked to sew over a year ago doing like her me made May and all her handmade clothes and still sewing I'm like man, if anything I've helped inspire her to a more confident, happy, empowered life Um, and I felt that in Palmy the other day when we did a sewing pop up at St. Vinny's we only had a few sewers um come through and at the end of the day I could have felt deflated that I only had like three or four sewers but I remember the conversations with those sewers and all of them it was so life-changing or it changed their day it might have changed their Mm -hmm. week or their or their life you know it was the conversations we had it was crazy and as one girl was saying that she gets bullied all the time at school because she's a greenie and I was like here is my phone number you know you ring me anytime (laughs) And it just and I and I hope that like by meeting me and having that connection um, and talking about stuff of sustainability and like feeling like she's part of this sort of stronger tribe that she can feel empowered by, and if it helps her um, with these kids at school picking on her because she's a greenie, you know, like that's huge. If yeah. I hadn't have met her, you know, and so she in turn helps change. My life, because I feel more confident and sure that what yeah. I'm doing is a really to keep going. That yeah. people will, in essence, people will mind if I'm not here.
0: <laughs> they will, they will, yeah. And I think it's it's pretty easy to focus on the negative stuff that happens to us sometimes, and much harder to remember uh, remember the positive stuff. Yeah, like what you've just been been talking about there. And I don't know the best way. I'm still still haven't figured out the best way to manage that. Whether it's kind of writing down or keeping track of a a list of all the cool stuff that I've done lately and, mm. and that has been helpful in keeping it in a place that I can easily see that if I'm not feeling confident I can go and have a look at it and think, Oh, actually here's these thirty six items yeah. that I've done in the last couple of months that have have been pretty sweet. So You
1: ran up Nio Hill.
0: <laughs> yeah well I don't know if I've done that in the, no I had done that in the last three months I didn't pass any cyclists on the yeah. way yeah. but it's a solid hill actually yeah. um, so Sarah if people want to find out more about you uh, either online or in person where, where can they do that?
1: that's terrible coming Not on, out besides today, on Tinder today, I know um, so love NZ on Instagram and Facebook
0: Okay, S-E-W?
1: S-E-W, L-O-V-E. and then so love on two words, so love on YouTube, um, and SoLove.nz as a website. Hmm.
0: Sarah, what was the uh, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and how did you get through that? Good
1: question, um, and I could. Th- think about as we're not allowed to talk about biking up the hill. (laughs) Um probably would be generally this tour as a whole, travelling and going into different towns and um I guess it was pretty uncomfortable um trying to gauge and learn rapidly how different communities work and um going in respectfully and to help and inspire um, so I guess to get through it um, I learned from every, situa- every town I'd been in and um, similarly learning from every pop up or workshop or thing that you've done in the past really taking mental notes but taking physical notes as well um, which is yeah kind of a bit nerdy but um, <laughs> but helpful to apply oneself to do a better job next time
0: yeah I think it's it's good to review what you've done and what's worked well for you and what hasn't worked so well yeah as well and just kind of actually sometimes what works well in one place isn't going to work well in another just because of the the climate or the the culture in in there
1: yeah and that was a really weird and interesting challenge and when when people think of um the tour on a whole as like this crazy right amazing fun thing there were a lot of challenges as well that um you just have to keep learning from to do a better job next time and feeling okay with that being uncomfortable
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah is that something that you regularly practice in terms of reviewing what you've done, writing notes on it, and yeah. and, and use it in other areas other than just the tour?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's always key to be kind of um, thoughtful of what you're doing, and maybe it's a coping mechanism for me to not be too hard on myself of fail failure but actually um, you know taking as so taking learnings from things and so you're actually better off and I know that going to the South Island the lucky South Island people are going to get a better job. <laughs> sorry North Island. no but naturally you do <laughs> right you get better and more comfortable and no doubt there'll be a new set of challenges and new ways that I'll feel um, or it might process differently or things might not work um, so it may not There's a degree of ease with naivety when you start something new and you just give it a go. But and now there's some, I put a lot of pressure on myself for the next stages to do it better and to nail it. <laughs>
0: yep, yeah, it brings a it brings a whole new set of uncomfortable challenges yeah, for you,
1: unknown territory. But um, you just got to enjoy that. It's not very often in your life do we get to. Jump into nines, maybe. Mm. We do in some contexts, but um, with work, potentially. Um, I have no idea what the South Island will bring. <laughs> next summer, a long way away.
0: <laughs> so, Sarah, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to be doing?
1: Well, I'm here in Wellington for winter, um, well, for the rest of the year, and. A mission while being here is, um, trying to, yeah, get a bit more balance in my life with So Love, and, um, and Sarah, <laughs> as a separate human being, um, but also that will be, a, kind of, a weird thing for me to kind of embody. Figuring out like, what do I like to do actually as a person, um. <laughs> And rem- reminding myself of hobbies and um, fun things and it's quite and it's qu- quite hard coming to a, t- a city in winter time where people are hunkering down and um, being indoors more um, but I guess a, a work mission the work mission here is to try and uh, help make well, Wellington the first I think the first capital it's plastic bag free <laughs> um, and it's lots of different suburbs doing that sort of thing um, or wanting to do it so it's a cool time to be here and to help that help those community initiatives start while I'm here um, but it will be it is once again new territory and a new city and a new landscape so um, I'm excited and nervous at the same time which is nice I guess
0: yeah that sounds that sounds awesome
1: yeah <laughs> Maybe out in Candalo, yeah.
0: It this Nio. <laughs> uh, probably Nio, technically. Can I say that? You're a... <laughs> I can How get everyone knows where I he lives. can edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> My Senegalese listeners know where I live. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Sarah, before we wrap it up, do you have any advice or life lessons or interesting facts for the listeners? Yeah,
1: um... I guess, um, and the idea of dream always dreaming big, and um, putting yourself out there to tackle challenges or um going out of your comfort zone and challenging status quo in like normal kind of daily life is great and exhilarating and nerve-wracking, um, because you're putting yourself out there to be judged potentially, um whether you're being thrown tomatoes at or hugged and liked you know on Facebook <laughs> um, you're always up for scrutiny and the, whether, when you're putting yourself out there so I try to live by a little mantra um, and you can kind of replace the words for your vocation, is that the right word? your yeah. topics? so um, I say I may not be the best teacher I'm sure there's lots of people out there who have been teaching longer than me and I may not be the best sewer um, and there's so many people that come and interact with me that have been sewing like 50 years more than me and I'm not a better sewer than them but I will always can be the best me and so it's just something I try to remember that I'm not going to be perfect and you don't need to be the best at something and number one um, you can just always strive to be the best you I do you want to try it? I may not be the best.
0: I may not be the best podcaster, or I may not be the best chef, but I can be the best me. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I think that's a. I think that's a great note to finish on. Um, I do actually have one more question for you. Bef- what you said before, have you actually had tomatoes thrown at you before?
1: <laughs> no, but I've um, visualized it. Okay, and, and in the sense of like not being very good for um, anxiety and things like that <laughs> yeah. thinking like oh god what are they going to think when you um, put yourself out there and so don't think about people throwing tomatoes at you
0: <laughs> awesome again sage <laughs> advice <laughs> thanks very much for your time today Sarah it's been cool to, to sit down and chat with you
1: thank you thanks for having me Bye.